Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this young lady back. She, of course, is uh, the District 1 Republican, great state of South Carolina. Representative Nancy Mace. Nancy, how are you? Good to see you again. I'm good, Joe. Good to see you again as well. I'm floating around the Twitters the other night, and I see what I think is the quintessential thread on what this debt deal was all about. You did this before the vote happened in the House, where more Democrats voted for it than Republicans. Hakeem Jeffries and Joe Biden did a high five and drank a martini, I think. Because what you spelled out is not what Speaker McCarthy has been saying was in the bill. Nancy, why is there such a divide? Because everything that you wrote was above reproach. And if you just read the 99 pages, what you said was true. Why is he bragging that he got a whole lot done? I'm not getting it. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, there are so many loopholes in that bill to make your head spin, which is why you can say one thing, it does X, but then with the loophole, it, it now does Y or doesn't do what you say it's going to do. And that's the thing. There was actually no cap to the debt ceiling. They're, they were, they're going to set into law record high levels of spending set during COVID, which is for an emergency only. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's untenable for the taxpayers. I mean, we're going to go broke. And if you look at two years from now, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, that's going to expire. So taxes are going to go up if we don't sustain that. And what they didn't tell you, they wanted to tell you that there was a $2 trillion cut to the deficit over the next 10 years. But they didn't tell you that it's going to add $18.8 trillion to the debt, meaning that net net, uh, you're still adding $17.3 trillion because it wasn't a $2 trillion cut to the deficit. It was only $1.5 over 10 years. And you're at, you're still adding over $17 trillion to the debt. And so it's just one big lie. And I just, you know, when I was at the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina, they taught us a cadet doesn't lie, cheat, or steal, or tolerate those who do. And I'm not going to lie to the American people. I'm not going to lie to the people of South Carolina, my my great state, my home state, and that, 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 that what leadership was saying wasn't the case. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, it's very, I'm about as jaded, I think, as I have ever Ben Joe. And, and I hate that. I hate that yeah. because because you're in power because we put you in power. We yeah. put the conservative, the America first, the, the family values people in power and they just aren't doing it. You are. You're trying. A bunch of Republicans voted against this. But let mm-hmm. me go back to what you first said because this is not being reported by the media and it's very easy to report this. There is no spending cut at all in this bill right. if you go we're back to pre, if you go back to pre-COVID. Pre-COVID yeah. was what? Four, well, Pre-COVID yeah. I think it was four trillion. This yep. with COVID, it's six trillion. Correct. So now we're cutting some spending from the six trillion. We never get back to four. Yeah, so we we're, we're just playing to... games here. And we're setting that six trillion dollar more or less into law as the baseline spending for our country going forward. And then, and then it grows government by about one percent a year. We were Republicans were bragging about work requirements, but guess what? CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, said. Actually, because of the work requirements and the way the bill was written, we're going to get more people on government welfare, not less. And, and, you know, it's just it's atrocious that, you know, the American people were sold to bet lies on this thing. And as you mentioned, Joe, when we got on here, more Democrats and Republicans voted for it. The Republicans gave up everything yes. for nothing. And I just I, 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 you know, I can't I can't believe that this happened. Um, that we allowed this to happen. I don't want to hear a single Republican or Democrat talk about how they're going to save our country fiscally because Republicans and Democrats alike are the ones that have run up the scorecard, they've run up spending, and they have no plan to stop it. And both parties this week caused what's going to happen over the next 10 years. It's untenable. U.S. Representative Nancy Mace, District 1 Republican, great state of South Carolina. Shalonda Young, who's the budget person for Biden, was asked this question yesterday in the press room. So in negotiations, you said both sides have to give things up. What did your side give up? And she went, "I well, the American people win. So Nancy, literally, 
Speaker McCarthy, I now I can say this, maybe you're not gonna, he lied to get the job of, of Speaker. Now you've got this one vote to, to vacate, are you going to do all that stuff? I don't think that's going to happen either. You've got some people that are hardline conservatives that voted along with him and said, hey, we got some stuff, it's a pretty good deal. The American people have to understand what you just said a little while ago. The mm-hmm. baseline budgeting that's going to go up 1% per year automatically is from the $6 trillion COVID baseline. Oh, yep. How easy would it have been to go back to pre-COVID? I mean, I would think very easy. At least get that. Well, it, 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 it's not. It, it's difficult. It's still a lot of money. However, that means you got to cut wasteful programs. It means you got to look at your contracts and stop wasting money. Yes. I can't tell you how many contracts I've seen at the Pentagon or at DOD or other agencies where there's so much waste, where we're very inefficient. You go to the Department of Transportation in downtown D.C. It, the building is empty. You know, we could start with firing, you know, the 52% of federal employees who are not coming in to work. I know this because they're not showing up to the buildings. I know this because there's enormous backlogs at the IRS, at at the State Department with passports, et cetera. Uh, You know, we could start there. And I'm even fine with let's let's roll back spending over the next 10 years, 20 years to balance things out. That's not what we're doing. And when you look at you know, our entitlement programs, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, those programs that are going to become insolvent 10 years from now. And you want to tell us that you cut spending? No, you didn't. You cut about 11 percent of discretionary, which is not the majority of the budget. Number one. Number two, you hiked up spending in so many other places. It's just a wash. You're not cutting anything at this point. And there are just so many loopholes you can get around. And in fact, you mentioned the director of OMB, but she will be able to one person in the government will be able to the director of OMB waive spending authorities, waive the spending caps on many of the programs done through an EEO executive order by the president. And just to deliver the program or program delivery is what's in there. There's just one person can waive the caps on those programs. It's just, it's nonsensical to me. And then, you know, they want to brag about, well, there's this continuing resolution. If we don't do these 12 appropriations bills, well, guess what? There's nothing in there mandating you do the 12 appropriations bills. And if you're going to go back to the Congressional Budget Act of 1974, Congress has never followed it. They're not going to follow it. But also, we allow an omnibus to come in here. So let's say you don't do the appropriations bills and you're going to cut 1%, but that 1% cut doesn't come in until well into next year. And then that gives you plenty of time to do an omnibus spending bill. And already the Senate's talking about doing emergency funding, supplemental spending bills so they can get around the spending caps. I mean, it is, it is gross negligence yeah. of the economy. Uh, I've heard, Nancy, over the past few days that the term uniparty over and over and over again. And there was one piece of video I saw yesterday that really does make that conclusion easy for me that there is just one party. I don't know if you saw this. Lindsey Graham from your state took to the floor and he was going on and on and on. And one part of his rant was, and not a single penny goes to, goes to Ukraine. I'm like, what are you, what are you smoking? Really? His concern was sending more. We've sent 200 billion now. We should send more to Ukraine and just keep on spending ourselves into oblivion. Is there a disconnect from what the American people want and what legislators are doing? I don't think with you. I think you get it. I think you've got your finger on the pulse. Just the fact that you posted that thread was, was brave, very brave to go against your party or against the leadership anyway. But when you've got a Lindsey Graham who is mad, he doesn't have more Warhawk money from the American people. It blew my mind. Is there a uniparty? Is that what you're finding in Washington? Well, I would say when it comes to spending, there's definitely both sides are playing the American people. Both sides got us to $32 trillion of debt, and both sides are going to increase that debt 
exponentially over the next decade. Of that $17 trillion that we're going to add to the debt over the next 10 years, four of that's going to come in the next two years. And not just as debt ceiling about previous obligations, it's about future outlays. It's about future spending. Right. So it's not just about the past. It's also about what we're going to do in the future. And if you have loopholes at every responsible measure that might be in there, there's some good ideas in there. But when you add a loophole in, in Section 263 and then two sections later, two pages later to Section 265, which is legitimately what happened in one of the places, one of the uh, the provisions in there, they're just loopholes. They're loopholes for everything. So it's like really not worth the paper that it's printed on. And I, I'm just amazed at, at the number of members who actually they did, that didn't read the bill, yeah. you read the bill, you would never vote for it if you are fiscally responsible or fiscally conservative. And I'll tell you, Joe, you know, a clean debt ceiling with a limit would have been a better deal than what we got, the American people got this week. I agree with you. And that still would have been a sad move, but it would have been better than this. It is um, a District 1 Republican, great state of South Carolina, Nancy Mays. Appreciate you making the time. There's one thing that jumped out at me as well in the bill and what you wrote on Twitter the other night, which even though it's a few days old now and the bill's already passed, go back and read what uh, what Nancy Mays posted. The $29 billion of COVID money that McCarthy keeps saying they pulled the money back. We pulled that money back. We saved that money. That didn't go to pay down the debt. That didn't go to the American people. $22.5 billion of it went to commerce. Yep, and Nancy, commerce maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Com- isn't commerce's job to spend money? Yeah, it went to commerce. It's just a shell game. One of the things I said in my 18 tweets to explain the bill was that it's really just a shell game with taxpayer dollars. And you know, they want to say that these clawbacks from COVID funding for the states that was never spent that you know, that's their spending cut. That's not a spending cut. And nope. it's not nearly, nearly enough. And we funded every progressive program the administration could ever dream of is what we did here. And, you know, there were there some of certain well-known colleagues of mine were saying that we're going to we gutted the IRS. No, we didn't. Page nope. 53, line 11 only cuts one point four billion dollars from the IRS. There's no gutting here. And, you know, some of my colleagues want to say, well, we're going to fix it through the appropriations process. Well, even if you fix it in the House, you're going to send it over to a Democrat controlled Senate and Democrat president. Do you even think in your mind that that they would even sign that into law if it's not in writing, if it's not agreed to in a bill or a piece of legislation? It's not going to happen. You can say you tried. Hey, we passed this. But then it goes to the Senate. It gets junked up. And it doesn't do what you wanted it to do. And, and you know, it's never going to happen. And I just, you know, I am beside myself. Yeah. I am as, about as disappointed as I've ever been because it's one thing to say, hey, we agree, we disagree here. Or we can agree to disagree on the merits, right? But then when you don't tell the truth, when you mislead the American people, I just take so much offense to this. There were Democrats that were leaving the chamber, Joe, that were snickering and laughing at us after the vote. And even one of them, Brad Sherman, remarked to the media afterwards on the steps of the Capitol that we got rolled. And nothing could be, you know, that's the truth. It is the truth. Uh, I I believe that. Hakeem Jeffries loved the bill. That means that I should hate the bill. That means that Republicans and conservatives should have hated the bill. But they didn't. It's uh, Representative Nancy Mace. Let me ask you about this, because I think there were two opportunities in the past six months. And and correct me if I'm wrong about this, where the Republicans really had the leverage and gave it up. When it came to spending, when it came to the budgeting, we let Nancy Pelosi somehow set the budget for a fiscal year where she wasn't going to be the speaker. All All the Republicans in the Senate had to do was not get to 60, they could have filibustered, they could have stopped, they'd done a continuing resolution, and then do a new budget when you guys take over in January. Am I wrong about that? 
No, you're not wrong. And look, we we gave up our leverage on the on the on the debt ceiling. Yes. So we gave it up. We signed it away. Democrats even asked for the debt ceiling increase to go through the election. Well, well, Republicans did that. Is what I, I learned today. I was Stunning. reading some of the 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 citations from other fellow fiscally conservative, fiscally responsible members. You know, I believe in in consensus. I do believe in compromise. I do believe if you're trying to negotiate a deal, both sides have to find some middle ground. But there is no middle ground here. We gave them everything they could ever want and then some. And it's one of the reasons I was a very reluctant, yes, the first go round on the debt ceiling, because I didn't think it was fiscally conservative enough because we had to give up some things, but we didn't have to give up everything. And so instead of negotiating from a place of strength, we were negotiating from a place of weakness, which is why we ended up with zero. As you know, I'm kind of simple, so I'm going to make this very simple. Mm-hmm. When it came to the first vote, the $1.5 trillion that was given to Biden, you still had the 87,000 IRS agents could have been gone. You, you passed it. The House of Representatives passed it. You did your job. You hold the purse strings. You said, mm-hmm. here you go. We're not going to default now. If there was going to be a default, it's on Chuck Schumer. If there right. were to be a, a default, it would have been on Joe Biden. They would not have let it default. You, you didn't even get the 87,000 gotten rid of. Like you said, what did they strip? 1.4 billion away from 80 billion? The 87,000 are still going to yeah. be there. What exactly does a fiscally conservative family get out of this deal, if anything? Nothing. They're going to get higher taxes in the future. They're going to get higher inflation, higher interest rates. Uh, it's going to be much harder on the economy to recover. Our, we might even already be in a recession. Uh, if not, we certainly are headed that direction after this. And I just, you know, I, I cannot believe that we allowed this to happen because the vast majority of Americans, whether you're a Republican or independent, the vast majority, and including about 45% of Democrats, wanted real spending cuts yes. in order to raise the debt ceiling. And it could have been bipartisan. We could have actually done that. But instead, we didn't. And we're setting into law, signing into place, putting in writing uh, in perpetuity that the baseline funding is going to be at record high COVID spending levels. And for what? And for what? We sold our kids and our grandkids down the river. And I just, you know, this is just typical Washington. I had I had a lot higher hope. I mean, I, for our conference and for our Congress, I thought, okay, I know it's a slim majority. You have to negotiate. You have to give some things up. Something. Um, yeah. But we literally gave everything away. Everything. And, and let me everything. ask you, uh, Representative, what what do you think really happened? Is McCarthy scared of, my word scared, maybe you don't agree, of the media coverage? Because the media, it was 0% blame on the, on the Democrats, 100% blame on the Republicans if we default. You and I both talked about it. The Republicans did their job in the House. If the default happened, it would have been on Schumer. It would have been on Biden. Those are facts. We can just back it up with fact. Was, is McCarthy afraid of his image? What is it that well, happened thought- here? I thought Republicans were leading on messaging going up until this point. I, I thought agree. they were doing a really good job selling the original Limit Save Grow bill. I felt really good about that. And, um, you know, so for me, I had great confidence in it. And then and then this happened. And, you know, we were sold a bill of goods. And I, I talked to members that didn't even read the bill and then went and voted on it. It was only 99 pages. You could have read it at least one time, multiple times if you needed to. And I just, you know, to see this happen in this way, um, you know, it's just really disappointing to me. I mean, I'm proud of the 71 Republicans that stood up against yeah, the conference. It wasn't easy. I mean, there were there was a lot of, of heat back there. I can tell you, I, I I had one of my fellow colleagues tell me that I wasn't allowed to speak up or speak out. And I spoke out too much. And I was like, hey, man, 
You know, women in our conference, conservative women in our conference have the First Amendment right. We can speak up even when you don't when you don't agree with us. You know, so there were some very heated moments, especially because I you know, when I get when I get started, it's just like we can disagree. Don't lie to me. Yeah. And I felt like we were misled and I was very angry and I wanted South Carolinians and I wanted the American people to know what was and what was not in the bill, which is why I just tweeted off, you know, this is it. It was amazing. And it, yeah, it, it, and it cited was. it, and cited it, cited everything. Every single thing. And, and yeah. I hope that a lot of people read it and hope a lot of people started holding feet to fire. I've only got about 30 seconds left. Thanks for mm-hmm. jumping in the chair and making it happen today. L- let me just ask you very quickly, you still have the power. You still have control of the House of Representatives. What can the American people expect from Republicans after watching this demolishing by the left? What, what can we expect now? Hopefully something I, better. I, I hope that you'll see more voices speak up against what happened. We can't take it back now. The president's going to sign it into law. But I hope that as Republicans that we hold our party and our elected officials accountable because there's going to be a day where where people will realize whether it's two months from now or when it's the end of the year when we see that there are a lot of promises made that could not be kept that people that the wool will be pulled over out of our eyes yeah. you know whether you're an r or d or an i you know most people understand we cannot continue down this path without real change and and we need people to speak up but we also not just speak up they need to vote with our country they need to vote for our country and, you know, looking at and talking to Democrats, Republicans, independents, and I come from a very purple district, yeah. the vast majority of Americans wanted us to be more responsible with our spending. And that's exactly. not what they got. And they need to speak up, too. They need to tell their elected officials that, that, that it's wrong um, and put some pressure on them. Go follow her everywhere and go see that thread. It's still up on Twitter. It's amazing. It does spell everything out. Mace.house.gov. It's uh, Representative Nancy Mace. Nancy, thanks a million for doing this on short notice. I appreciate you. Thank you, Joe. Have a great weekend. Okay, you too. We're back after this. Stay right here. Joe Pags. Enjoyed having Nancy Mace on. She, of course, District One Republican, great state of South Carolina. You can follow her at Rep Nancy Mace on uh, on Twitter. I believe it's the same thing over on Instagram. So go follow her there as well. That thread is still up there. I couldn't find it quickly during the break, but it is still up there. That entire interview will be up tonight on Rumble. You can go to JoePags.com. Click on Watch. Not Watch Now. Just the word Watch. You'll go to my Rumble feed. See all the interviews that we do. I put the parodies up there as well. Lots more coming your way, including Dr. Ben Carson next hour. Keep it right here. You're listening to Joe Pags.